this morning, um, as we look toward the new year and uh, just thinking through some things, uh, it's been a busy week. It has been for us all. And so I know that the uh, tendency today, as soon as we sit down in these comfortable seats, is kind of like, whew, man, this is the first time I've sat down all week. And then we just kind of like slowly drift off. And it's okay. I won't blame you. I understand. If I fall asleep, you wake me up. But we'll all be <laughs> we're in this together. But as we walk through this morning, I just want to kind of look at, um, I guess, looking at New Year, looking at taking a, a moment, I guess, and to intentionally look at the next year. And so I guess we'll do that in Psalm chapter 90. We'll be there in just a second. But... Um, as we start looking through Psalm chapter 90, I guess one of the things we're going to, the main thought I want to leave with us today is right now, we're all writing a story, okay? We're all writing a story of our lives. One of the things I enjoy is a good story. I enjoy, um, for those who know me pretty well, I'm an audiobook junkie. So I like, I keep telling myself that I'm not going to listen to another audiobook till the beginning of the year. I think I've done like three or four in the past week. So it's like, I keep saying like, I'm not going to start another audiobook, but I am an audiobook junkie and I, I enjoy a good story. And as, uh, as I get older, one of the things that I enjoy as I'm listening to all these stories, I'm like, man, I don't even think I understand like all the stories of my own family. So even when I went back home uh, for Easter a little while ago, I started to sit down with my parents and sit down with people because I'm like, I hear all these stories. Like, I want to hear your stories. And like, it was fun this Easter to sit down with my mom and to hear stories of her high school years that I'd never, I'd never heard because I really never actually stopped to ask her to tell me stories about her life. And I got to sit down with a, um, an older um, black pastor um, and hear his stories. And he was telling me about how when he was a young pastor, being uh, pretty much one of the first people in his family to receive Christ and then be called into ministry going in. And he was telling me the battle that it was back in the day for him to be like he was the black churches didn't want him because he he would he wanted to preach truth and he's like i just want to tell him what it was from the bible the white churches didn't want him because he was black and they said that uh you can't be here and he was talking about his struggle in the early ministry and it was just like wow to sit down and hear a story of a man of god who's still in the ministry who went through all these things and like to hear stories and i enjoy hearing reading stories this year i think i've read a couple of stories like uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Uh, I just finished a little while ago, Lucille Ball. And just like looking through all these people who have all these stories that I've maybe seen parts of, but see the in-depth story. And what I'm starting to learn is that, number one, everybody has a story. Everybody has the struggles in their life. They have the good times in their life. They, they all weave into a narrative. And my thought, though, is that most of the time we're not intentionally setting that narrative. Like most of these people, none of these people started out when they were born and their parents crafted their life so that it would fit into a storybook. And kind of like, well, Michael, we really want you to have a basketball career. So this is what we're going to do. We really want this story to play out well. And so we're going to work through it. We don't plan our lives like this narrative, but ultimately we're all writing the story. And sometimes in our life we forget to stop and think that we are writing a story and I know in my life, I've come to the point sometimes where I've deceived myself and I believe my story will start at some certain point. For me, I remember like growing up, it's like, well, my story starts when I get to college. Well, my story starts when I graduate from college. Well, my story starts when I get married, when I have a family. My story starts here. And even now, sometimes I still think like, well, my story will start one day when... Uh, when whatever the Lord has for me, if the Lord has one day me to be a senior pastor, well, let's see, the story really would uh, start once you get to be like a real pastor, I guess as they'd say. And then like, and we keep believing this thing that the story is going to begin somewhere else. And that happens to all of us. Even as teenagers, we're like, the, the story that I'm writing, it's not going to start until I get to this part of my life. 
And our culture has really pushed this. They say, hey, uh, live how you want right now. You kind of figure things out. Just go feel your way around because, hey, these years don't count. But they do because we're writing a story. We, we start to think, man, my life will start once. Like marriage is a big one. Like my, my story starts when I get married because that's when. Or my story starts when my kids grow up and they get out of the house and then we can actually have the life we want. My story starts, or, or maybe on the other end, we start to believe that my story is starting to end. My, my book's been written. But if we've, it's sitting in this room, we're still writing a story. And as we look at it, Moses, in Psalm chapter 90, does a beautiful job of showing us how life looks as we begin to write this story. He even goes and says words like this, we live our days as a tale that is told. And as we begin to write down the story, I'm asking us for one Sunday, this is in the end of the year, to not like make gazillion New Year's resolutions or anything, but just to stop and ask Am I writing my story for God's glory? Is the story that I'm writing in my life right now, with its ups and downs, the realities of it all, is the story that I'm writing right now giving God glory? And as we walk through Psalm 90, I simply just want to open the passage. There's not a lot of points. All I want is that one thought. Am I living my story for his glory? And as we walk through Psalm 90, Moses is going to be real with us. He's going to talk about things that sometimes for us Americans is going to be hard for us to swallow because he's going to talk about how, God, we live under your wrath. God, we know what it feels like for you to put us through affliction. And Moses is going to be real in Psalm 90. And as we walk through this, I want us to look at our lives right now because as we look through the ups and downs, the highs and the lows, Moses at the end says in Psalm chapter 90, God, would you please establish the work of our hands? God, this feeble life that we have to live, Lord, we need you to make it count for something. We need you to actually make this life worth something. Because outside of it in myself, my story really doesn't matter. And so as we walk through Psalm chapter 90, I want us just to see for just a little bit the reality of life but yet the reality of our story and its significance. So we'll read a couple verses. Well, no, before we do, let's just pray first. We'll pray now, and then I'll walk through. We'll just walk through this passage in Psalm chapter 90. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that I, as the apostle is saying, Lord, that, Lord, you are great. Lord, as Moses starts this psalm again, we'll be reminded that, of who you are. And God, as we stop and come to your presence, God, I pray that we would still our hearts, Lord, to receive your word. And God, I pray that right now for the next few minutes, that Aaron Burden, Lord, will fade away and that your word will speak. And Lord, that we'll be able to see from your word how we ought to live, how we ought to be intentional about the things that we do. And God, I pray that you grow us from this moment. God, today we're not asking for life changes that, like, I guess, Lord, for the next year or all these resolutions. Lord, we're just asking you to work in our hearts right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that can only come through you. So God, I pray that you bless this next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. As we walk through Psalm chapter 90, we're just going to walk through it verse by verse. Psalm chapter 90, verse 1, Moses starts out like this. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. This is one of the beautiful things about the Psalms. The Psalms always seem to to portray God's amazingness. As the Bible is saying, how great is our God? And Moses starts out and says, hey, just as we start this prayer... God, I just want you to know, 
Lord, you've been our dwelling place to all generations. And that may not ring to us as it would to Moses, who was uh, pretty much, they lived in tents and they traveled. When the cloud moved, they picked up their tents and they moved with it. And when the fire came, they followed through. So a person that has no, like, address, this is a big thing. Lord, you've been our dwelling place. You've been our safe place through every generation. And he goes on, he says, God, before the mountains were even formed, you were there. And so for this reason, I can pray this prayer. And as he begins, and we jump to verse number three and on, he begins to just tell God, Lord, this is my heart's prayer. I'm bearing it all out to you. So God, please help us as we walk through these trials. So he goes through and he says, thou turnest man to destruction, verse number three, and sayest, return ye children of men. So he says, God, you've been there forever. You've been our dwelling place for every generation. Before the mountains were even formed, God, you were there. But this is what you, for us, compare your eternity to us. He says in verse number three, thou turnest man to destruction. The word destruction there just simply means dust. Lord, thou returnest us to dust. And say, return ye children of men for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with the flood, they are asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. And Moses, as he starts his prayer, he says, God, you are forever. But as we look at ourselves, we're confronted with the shortness of our life. He says, God, a thousand years of you are one day. But for us, we're kind of like, I guess as Spurgeon said, we're like grass that's sown, grown, mown, blown, and then gone. Like this is how, what our life is, put it. He says, we're like grass that's sown and we grow up for a little short time. We get cut down. The wind blows and we're gone. And he says, God, as I look at this, Lord, you're forever. But right now I'm confronted with the shortness of my life. I see that, Lord, I don't have long and I only have one shot at this. And isn't this the truth about all our stories? <laughs> like, I think this is one of the reasons we like video games. Well, for those of you who like video games. It's because there's something, too, in a video game, being able to, like, play a level, <laughs> die, <laughs> oh, man, restart, <laughs> and try it again. And just keep doing that over and over and over again. It's like things that we would never do in real life if you play uh, in, we, sometimes people talk about war and like the first person shooter games or whatever. And it's like, in real war, we know that when you run out and you get hit and you fall down, there is no like, do you want to continue? 10, 9, 8, 7, it's over. But in the video game world, it makes it fun because I can just like, oh, well, won't do that again. And we go and do something different. And I know that we all wish we had that in life. We all wish we had the moment where, whether it be like a video game or even the time machine, it's like, whoa, I should not have responded that way to my children. This is how I should respond. I shouldn't have acted this way. I shouldn't be in this relationship. Whatever the case may be, we're all confronted. Moses says, God, when we look at your everlastingness, that before the mountains were formed, that you were there. But then I look at myself. And that, Lord, I grow up like the grass. I'm cut down, blown away. A thousand years is like nothing to you. But for me, every day counts. If we look through every civilization that's ever lived, and one day, if God tarries, probably America also. We call them the ruins. 
We go on vacation to see those things about the civilizations that once were. And there's God. And then there's finite us. And Moses says, God, as we begin to pray, I really understand that, God, I don't have long. I'm confronted with the shortness of my life. Of some of the guys that we were going through prayer requests this morning in Sunday school. And um, last night, um, we have a Facebook group of a couple of pastors, independent Baptist pastors and whatnot. And we found out that one of the guys in this Facebook group, uh, I believe it was Friday or Saturday, Friday night, he, he's five months older than I am. And he went, sat down on the couch, said he wasn't feeling well. And he's 35. He sat down on the couch, said he wasn't feeling well. His wife and six kids were around. And he died. Passed away. He said he had a cardiac arrest. Just sat on the couch and he's gone. And he's a pastor in Alabama. And we're confronted with, like, it's not that we're like, well, we got to scare everybody or what. It's just a reality of life. That God is infinite. In Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw God sitting on the throne. The king dies, God still sits on his throne. He is forever. But I am confronted that my life is short. And as I begin to write the story, I have to be intentional. Because I don't have another chance. I can't get a do-over. There's no continue button. I have to live knowing that my life is short. But he goes on in verse number 7. He says, we are consumed by thine anger. So he says, not only, God, are we finite, we're confronted with the shortness of our life, for we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath we are, are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. And he begins to talk about, and would, like, only Moses would know, and would have seen. He says, God, we live in your wrath. And for us, like, that's like, whoa, no, no, we're, we're in grace side. We, we understand the grace. We don't understand this God of wrath. But Moses is saying, God, we have had firsthand account of our sin and the consequences of our sin leading to your displeasure. He says, God, not only am I confronted with the shortness of my life, I'm confronted with the consequences of my sin. If we look through the children of Israel's life, all through their history and existence, we find God's wrath. And it's one thing for us to look at it and be like, well, God must be angry. Man, God, I know God's holy, but God's always on the back of the children of Israel. But Moses says, God, we really know that the reason for your wrath is because our secret sins were ever set before you. You saw everything. So we can see God's wrath, but what we don't see from this psalm is what Moses doesn't talk about in his prayer to God is that God got angry after he delivered them from bondage. They were slaves in Egypt, and God pretty much tore Egypt apart to bring them out. He walks them to the Red Sea, and they have no way to get out. God opens the Red Sea, destroys the Egyptians, and they go forth into it. And they sing this great song of praise. God, how great you are. And then as soon as they get out into the wilderness, the very God who tore Egypt apart to let them out, they'd say, wow, God, you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. What? What? Can you not turn around? Look, the Red Sea's still right there. No, God, you brought us out here to starve to death. God says, okay, I'll give you food from heaven. 
All you had to do was walk out in the morning and get it. They couldn't farm. They couldn't do the things ever because they, they would move all the time. So God literally delivers food from, to the door. Uber Eats before there was even Uber Eats. Boom, right there. All you had to do was walk out and get it. And they complain. Oh, Lord. I remember back in Egypt, the good old days, when we were slaves. We got all the food we wanted. And God, from heaven, but I, I'm giving you food. Well, God, yeah, <laughs> be nice to have some meat around here. And then God brings them meat to where all they have to do is reach out and grab it. The Bible says God feeds them to the full. And you can almost see it if you were to stand by a tent. <sighs> I wish we had something else to eat. Well, I guess we'll eat this, but man, we might as well thirst to death. There's nothing to drink out here. And all through the way that God has provided for Israel, the secret conversations, the complaining, God hears it. And Moses says, God, we've sat right in the front row and watched your wrath because of the consequences of our sins. Because in our mouths started running, we started doing exactly what you told us not to do. Hey, don't destroy all this, do this, do that. And we did not do it. And we see those moments where God tells Moses, Moses, move out of the way. Because these people will know. And we see serpents. We see times where they don't eat. We see plagues where God kills them. Because, not because God is sitting in heaven as some time-ticking angry father that's waiting for the last thing to be pushed so that he can fly off the handle. Because God had been so merciful, so gracious, over and over and over again. And the children of Israel were never satisfied. And we can look at the children of Israel and say, wow, get over it. Guys, God's been good to you. But we sit in the day of grace to where all of us can open our Bibles to the Christmas story that we just celebrated. We can walk to Easter and see our Savior hanging on a cross and rising again. And God's abundant grace that he's shown to all of us as God bestows it. And we sit at our dinner tables. Wish our dinner table was a little bigger like so-and-so's. Wish this house was a little different than like so-and-so. Get in our cars. God, I wish I had the ride that so-and-so has. And we ourselves are not satisfied. And it is only by God's wonderful grace that God has not shown us the same amount of wrath. It is only by his wonderful grace that God puts up with it. And as we start looking through this, Moses says, God, as I look at my life, it's short. But also, God, I'm dealing with the shortness of my life, but I'm also dealing with the consequences of my decisions. And a lot of us in this room can join right in with Moses and say, God, I understand right now my life is short. And right now the other hurdle that I'm jumping on is that I'm trying to jump over is that I am dealing with the consequences of my sin, decisions that I've made, things that I've done, things that I've said. And God, in your righteousness, where you've chastised me, where you've brought consequences in my life to draw me back to you, God, I am living those, and I'm seeing them. And so because of that, God, because of the shortness of my life, because of the consequences of my sin, he goes on, he says in verse number 7, I mean, sorry, verse number 10, 
The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. So he says, God, life is short. I'm dealing with the consequences of my sin, but I'm also confronted with just life's struggles. He goes on, read verse 10 again. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. So he says, hey, if we live to be 70, and if by reason by strength they be fourscore years, 80 years. Like, I know that some people are like, this is our lifespan. And I don't know if Noah, I mean, Noah, Noah's not even in this. Moses <laughs> is saying that uh, our lifespan here, because Moses himself lives 120. But I think he's comparing like, hey, God, you're infinite. If I make it to 80 years by strength, even in the, the best, I make it to 80. He says, he goes on, he says, and if by reason strength, yet is there still strength. There are still moments where I need courage, heart. There's still moments of labor where I have to hard toil, he says, and sorrow. So he says, I'm confronted with the shortness of my life. I'm cons- Lord, we're confronted by the consequences of our sin and just life struggles. Lord, if I make it and everything goes well and I make it to 80, I still had to work hard to get here. There was still a lot of toil along the way, a lot of heartaches. There's still a lot of sorrow. And God, as I look at this, as I look at my story, Lord, I'm living my life as a tale that's told. And I'm just confronted that life has struggles. And I don't know if I didn't see them as a kid. And maybe I didn't, like, as a younger. But the older I get, the more I see that. Like, I guess before I thought, like, only there was only a certain couple of people in life that had real bad struggles. And the rest of us were kind of like, oh, man, walk around them. But I'm starting to see that in my own life and everybody else. Everybody has struggles. Like, we all relate to the book of Job. I haven't yet seen a person that's like, Job, book does nothing for me. Everybody's like, I know what it is. And it may be different struggles on every, for different people. Like, some of us may look at others and be like, is that, you really consider that a struggle? Look at what I'm going through. But we're all struggle. And this is what Moses says. Like, I'm looking at my life and I'm seeing hard things. And I'm confronted with Wow, God, this life is filled with struggles. So because of those things, God, because my life is short, I really want to make it count. God, because of the consequences of my sins that I'm dealing with, I've seen your wrath in my life. God, because even if I make it to 80 and everything is kind of okay, it's still been a journey. So then he goes into verse number 11. He says this, Who knoweth the power of thine anger? even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. And so he makes a transition here, and he begins to say, like, Lord, we've seen your anger, and that anger is going to turn us to reverence. Because we've seen your wrath, because we've seen what you are, because we know who you are, you're the God who reigns, you're the God who punishes sin. It changes our heart to that word fear, to that reverence to God. So he says, this is our prayer, God. And this would be the prayer I'm hoping that we would go into the new year with. So he goes on. It's like, really negative. God, my life is short. God, there's consequences of my sin. God, there's a constant struggle. But then he says, so God, as we look at your awe, Lord, please, verse number 11, I mean, verse number 12. So this is what I'm asking you to do, God. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So he says, God, Because my life is short, God, help me be serious about it. He doesn't want me just to count the days. He wants me to make the days count. Lord, my life is short. So would you please 
teach me to number the days, to know that I only have a short time at this. So God, would you give me a seriousness about this life? That God, if I want my story to be your, for your glory, that I intentionally, intentionally look at the days and say, hey, we don't know how long we have, but God, I want you to help me to think about how long I have so that I can apply my heart to the best way, to wisdom, the best way with the knowledge I have to live this life you've given me. That happens to all of us. God, teach me the number of my days at the office, at work, because God, I'm in contact with some people that God, I want to know the best possible way that I can use the most wisdom to be able to be a witness, to be able to be a help. God, help me to take a seriousness. I don't have long. God, I don't have long in my teenage years because they kind of like blow away really quickly. But God, I pray that in my teenage years that you'd help me to see that I don't, I'm not starting my story when I get to be 25. I'm starting my story now. I'm writing the story now. And so, God, I need you to help me to see the importance of it now. I'm in college. God, help me right now to see that, yes, college is fun. Yeah, there's moments where I probably should be studying and I'm not because I'm goofing off and it happens to the best of us. But, God, I pray that you'd help me to see the importance of right now where I'm at. God, I'm a grandparent. And... I'm on the higher end of that numbering of the days. But God, right now I'm asking that you would please help me to understand the importance that I have right now so that every day counts for your glory. So Moses starts out his prayer and he says, God, my life is short. You're eternal, but I only have a little bit of time. So God, would you please, my prayer to you because of that is that you would please, please God, give me a seriousness about right now in my life. And he goes on, he says in verse number 13, Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And so he says, return, O Lord, how long? What Moses is saying is, is Lord, we've experienced your wrath. We've experienced hard things because of the consequences of our sins. So God, would you please, because of the consequences of our sins, would you please come now? And would you please satisfy us with your mercies? God, would you help us to become satisfied with you and how great you are? Isn't this what sin often is in our lives? A dissatisfaction of what God has given us? Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve have everything in the garden. You can have any tree in the garden except for that one. And the, the Satan comes and says, well, God knows that in the day you eat that tree, You'll be like God. So God's holding out on you. One tree! Like, just for illustration, okay? Bad tree, good, good, good. God's given me all this. But how often is my heart just set on right here? It's like, God's like, here's tree, here's tree, here's tree. But God, I really want that one. That's exactly what I want. And Moses is saying, God... We've experienced your wrath. We've watched people drop dead because of sin. But yet, Lord, we still don't understand what the satisfaction of being satisfied with what you've given us. We're still trying to look over and say, but, but Lord, there's like one right over there that you're holding out on me. 
And Moses is saying, God, would you please satisfy us early with your mercy? Word early. As the sun comes up, God, would you help us to know and be satisfied in you? It's one of those things that it's really kind of hard to say after we go through Christmas and we spend lots of money on ourselves and on other people to say, are you satisfied? But I ask. I ask myself, Lord, am I satisfied with what you've given me? Or is my heart always carried away to what you've told me no? What you told me would hurt me? What you tell me, no, this is not the best for you. But yet my heart longs for it. And Moses says, God, because I've experienced the consequences of your sin, would you please satisfy me with your mercy? Lord, next year in 2019, I want to be satisfied with what you've given me. I want to be satisfied with what you're doing in my life. I want to be satisfied with exactly what you deem is best. And he goes on in verse number number 15, and he says, Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein they have seen evil. Make us glad. So he says, Lord, because my life is short, I really want you to help me to take it seriously because Lord I don't have long Lord because the consequences of my sin God I want you to let me know satisfaction in you but Lord because of the struggle because even if I make it to 80 (laughs) and I have everything there's still labor and toil he says God I pray that you'd make us glad for the times that we've seen affliction for the times that we've experienced and saw the evil around us. God, because of the struggle, would you give me moments to smile? God, I know that life is not easy. And God never promised that it would be. Nowhere in the Bible does God give us this fairy tale existence that one day we'll ride off into the sunset with glory. But we do look forward to the day when God does wipe away all tears from our eyes. And God takes away the pain and the suffering, and we spend eternity with him. But right now, in this life, Moses says, hey, God, I'm just being real. God, we've struggled. And if I make it all the way to the end of my life, and I've struggled, God, right now I'm asking that you would please make us glad according to the evil that we've seen. God, would you please give us moments to where right now it would seem like everything's going wrong. Right now it's hard, God, I'm just being honest. But, Lord, I'm asking you to make us glad. Lord, give me that joy. What does Psalm say in the presence, in thy presence, fullness of joy, thy right hand or pleasures evermore? God, let me draw so close to you that in the difficulties, Lord, I still get to smile. What you smiling about? God's good. It doesn't feel like it right now because there's still toil, there's still labor, there's still struggles. But, God, I'm asking that you'd make me glad through it that you'd help me, give me the strength that I don't have in and of myself. And then Moses concludes it with this. He says, let thy, work un- appear, let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. As Moses concludes this psalm, he says, Lord, and I find it interesting, he says, in verse 16, let thy work, let your work appear unto the servants. Lord, we need to see you work. We need to see your power. But then he says, and thy glory, your glory needs to be shown 
to our children. So here's the reality of life, and this is what Moses is saying as we go forward. Lord, my life is short. I'm dealing with the consequences of my sin, and it's just a struggle. But Lord, all through that, I'm asking you, God, that because it's short, give me a seriousness about it, please, Lord. Because, um, because I struggle with my consequences of my sin, God, I'm asking you to help me be satisfied in you. Because I struggle, God, I'm asking you to help me to smile through these things that are difficult. Because ultimately, this is what Moses says. Because, God, I need to see your power. I need to see you work in my life right now as we go. Moses, in this passage, if we understand correctly where he may have wrote it, has probably been faced with the fact that he's going to roam in the wilderness with people who have said God wasn't enough. To when God said, you can take the land, and the ten spies come back and say, I know what God said, but we can't take that land. There's giants there. And Moses is about to go for the next 40 years in circles till these people die off. So Joshua can take the next ones in. And Joshua and Moses says, this is my prayer, God. It's going to be a struggle, but Lord, I'm asking you right now, Lord, that we can see your work. Because our children need to see your glory. There's going to be a generation that's going to go into the promised land. And God, right now, we're not going to get to see that. We're not going to get to know the blessings that they're going to see. So God, we're asking that right now, as we roam around what would seem like a waste of 40 years, God, would you, we need to see you work. And not only do we need to see you work, our children need to see your glory. And Moses prays, God, with what we have left, would you establish it? Would you take this feeble life and make it count? Because God, our children need to see your glory. And as we close... I understand the new year is the, the best time for us to like set resolutions and all those things. And some people do and some people don't. That doesn't matter. But what I want to ask us this morning is simply this. Is the story you're writing, writing God's glory? Because as Moses says, God, I need to see your work. But there's a whole generation that needs to see your glory shine. And so I ask, yeah, life is short. Too short, lots of the time. And yes, a lot of us deal with the consequences of our sins and the consequences of sins of others. And yes, we have a struggle, but let it make be our prayer. God, would you please give me a seriousness about this life? I don't have but one, and I want to use it to your honor and glory. God, I understand that I have sent consequences of sin and other people's sin are affecting me. But God, I pray that tomorrow morning when I wake up and my heart desires everything you said no to, God, I'm asking that you would satisfy me with you. And God, I understand there's a struggle. There's no day that's easy. There's no day was like, oh man, whew, yeah. It just feels like every day is hard, hard, hard. And God, I'm asking you right now because I need to see your power. I need to see you work. I'm just asking, would you please give me gladness through it and help me to smile. Because God, I only have one life. And I really want it to count. And there's nothing in me that does, that can make it. There's nothing in Aaron Burden's story outside of Jesus Christ that makes Aaron Burden's story worth anything. So God, would you please establish this thing? 
with the work of your hands. Would your beauty please shine on this story and make it something worth telling? Because God, my story is your glory. The life I live, I want it to be to all your honor glory. So God, help me through. I need to see your power. As we say here today, we're all in somewhere in there where Moses, I believe we can all say somewhere in Moses' struggles, we can all find ourselves. So I'm saying, hey, if you have time this week, grab Psalm 90, read through it, ask God, God, make my story count. God, make my story count. Tomorrow when you wake up, be serious. I'm not saying we walk around grumpy all day and it's like, I only have one life. Get out of my way. I got to use it. But I'm saying, I am saying, hey, it counts. So use it. Use it. Don't walk into a new year without intentionally sitting down and saying, God, all I want is for your story, my story to bring you glory.